Good morning, I'm John, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for September 6th. With the exception of an 83-week stretch in the late 90s, the WWF, or WWE, has been the global giant of professional wrestling since the early 1980s. They've turned some of their performers into household names, and in an industry that has a language all its own, they've coined catchphrases that have crossed over into everyday conversation. But what happens when the WWE mishandles the career of a potentially big talent? Hey there, if you're listening to this, then chances are you love wrestling. And if you care to continue the conversation with me, John, and other listeners of this show, then I invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Just search for Daily Wrestling News Show or go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show and click join. We cannot wait to meet you there. The group is brand new, so if you're one of the first to join, don't be afraid to say hi. Now, on with the show. On this day, September 6th of 2005, TNA Wrestling signed former WWE talent Gail Kim. After completing a degree in nutrition at Toronto's Ryerson University, Gail Kim decided on a career in professional wrestling. She enrolled in Ron Hutchinson's School of Professional Wrestling, also conveniently in Toronto. If Ron Hutchinson's name strikes a bell, it's probably because you remember him from his days in the WWF. Okay, just kidding. Although Hutchinson did play the role of local talent to be fed to the likes of the Iron Sheik, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Dory Funk during a WWF swing through Ontario in 1986, he's best known for training the likes of Edge, Christian, Trish Stratus, Beth Phoenix, Tracy Brooks, Tiger Ali Singh, and his greatest creation, Johnny Swinger. But back to Gale. She made her professional debut in 2000 under a mask as the character La Felina, Queen of the Cats, in the Ontario-based Apocalypse Wrestling Federation. The following year, she was named the company's Diva of the Year for 2001. She would eventually be unmasked by fellow Hutchinson trainee Tracy Brooks in a hair versus mask match and work the Canadian indie scene for the next two years. Gail would be introduced to Molly Holly by Jason Sensation. You know, the guy who played Owen Hart in the famous DX Spoofs the Nation of Domination segment. Molly convinced Gail to submit a tape of her matches to WWF in 2002. In October of that year, the now WWE signed Kim and sent her to train in the developmental territory Ohio Valley Wrestling. She would be there for roughly eight months before getting her big call up. In mid-2003, vignettes began airing on WWE TV featuring a Matrix-inspired character. On the June 30th episode of Raw, Kim debuted her Matrix persona in a seven-woman battle royal for Jazz's WWE Women's Championship. The match ended with Kim countering a powerbomb attempt by Victoria into a Hurricane Rana, eliminating her last opponent, and Gail Kim was the WWE Women's Champion in her first televised WWE match. Now that's a moment to remember, because it's a short list of performers who are crowned the top champion in their first WWE appearance, but you could argue that this was also the pinnacle of Gail's WWE career. She held the title for about a month before losing it to Molly Holly. Soon she would form an alliance with Holly in a storyline that saw the two face off against Trish Stratus and a revolving door of partners, including Lita. Kim would unfortunately break her collarbone in November, sidelining her until April of 2004. When she returned, she went back to teaming with Holly and was also heavily involved in the women's title hunt with the likes of Trish, Lita, and Victoria, 
and these women were putting on exciting matches. This women's division, while not always getting the amount of TV time they would like, was worth watching. By November 2004, however, Kim was released in what was described as a cost-cutting effort. What took Kim by surprise the most was the statement that management wanted to take the women's division in a new direction. Upon reading that quote in my research, my cynical but fuzzy memory thought that this must have been about the time that the women's division made the pivot to the divas division, when the likes of Trish, Lita, Molly, Jazz, Ivory, Jacqueline, and Gail began giving ground to the likes of Candice Michelle, Maurice, Eve Torres, Kelly Kelly, Michelle McCool, and the Bellas. But a quick scan of WWE Women's Championship history reminded me that the butterfly belt and the era of the diva really didn't kick in for another four years or so. Trish continued to lead the women's division, rightly so, and the title would bounce like a pinball between Trish, Lita, Molina, and Mickey James for three years before another top talent like Beth Phoenix would enter the mix. You mean to tell me the women's division couldn't have been bolstered by tossing Gail Kim into that mix? After her November 2004 release, Kim would tour the indie scene and spend some time in Japan before signing with TNA on this date in 2005. But TNA didn't exactly have a women's division at the time, so Gail started as the manager for Jeff Jarrett and America's Most Wanted. She would seize any opportunity to get physically involved, however, and it became unavoidable that her place was between the ropes, not just at ringside looking pretty and occasionally causing a distraction. She made her in-ring debut for TNA in July of 2006 as part of a six-person mixed tag. She joined America's Most Wanted in a losing effort to wrestle the NWA tag titles away from AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels with their partner, Sorelda, the biggest member of the team. And this wasn't a match where tagging in your female partner meant the other side had to tag in theirs. TNA never shied away from exactly who their performers could mix it up with, regardless of which locker room they got dressed in. Gail held her own on this night against the Phenomenal One, the Fallen Angel, and the Big Amazon. While a few women's matches would continue to air on TNA Impact, it wasn't until January 2007 that a true women's division would be formed and announced at the Final Resolution pay-per-view. But it would take all the way until Bound for Glory in October of that year before the first Knockouts champion would be crowned in a 10 Knockouts gauntlet for the gold match. The match would include familiar faces like Gail's old training partner Tracy Brooks, Jacqueline, Awesome Kong, Angelina Love, ODB, Christy Hemi, and Velvet Sky, even if some weren't using those names just yet. Gail would advance to the end and eliminate Roxy Laveau to become the inaugural champion. Kim was really just getting started though. Her ensuing feud with Awesome Kong would truly put the Knockouts division on the map. This David versus Goliath pairing would produce great matches and span several years. It remains among the most memorable in the 20-year history of the company. WWE would attempt to correct a mistake when they re-signed Kim upon her TNA contract expiring in August 2008, stealing away the company's top female talent. And while Gail was immediately thrust into the title picture when she made her return by interrupting a Divas Championship match between Maurice and Michelle McCool, she would never hold another WWE Championship. In January of 2010, Gail reached the finals of an eight Divas title tournament to crown a new champion following an injury to Molina that caused the title to be vacated. Gail would lose to Maurice in a two minute and 50 second instant classic. 
Yeah, that was sarcasm. That was the second longest match of the tournament. Gale's first round match was a whopping 3 minutes 10 seconds. No other match went past 2 minutes 20 seconds. Ah, yes. This was that new direction I was thinking of earlier. By early 2011, Gale was mostly on screen when playing the love interest of Daniel Bryan on Raw. And besides that, she spent some time feuding with Molina and Superstars. Kim grew so frustrated with her direction in the company that when the producers for her segment on the August 1st episode of Raw told her to get eliminated from a Divas number 1 contender battle royal within the first minute, she simply eliminated herself. Later that week, Kim announced via Twitter that she had quit, but when the WWE refused to grant her release, she was forced to technically remain with the company until her contract expires at the end of September 2011. When she returned to TNA's Healthy Knockouts division in late October, Gail was done screwing around. She immediately attacked Knockouts champion Velvet Sky and aligned herself with Madison Rain. She and Madison would take the Knockouts tag team titles two weeks later, and within another 10 days, Gail would reclaim the Knockouts championship, making her the second ever female champ champ in company history, the other coincidentally being her partner Madison Rain. With the resentment of her lackluster second run in WWE fueling her, Gail was named number one on the PWI Women's Top 50 list in 2012. She would go on to become a record seven-time Knockouts Champion, with those seven reigns totaling another record of 711 combined days, and cementing her place on the Mount Rushmore of the Knockouts division. The original theme of this episode was going to be, what happens when WWE misses on a talent? But they didn't really miss on Kim. They made her a champion her first night on national television. And when she was really hitting her stride in 2008, they brought her back and tried again. But while she was always a fixture near the top of the women's and or divas divisions, but in both stints with WWE, they never allowed her to become the star that her in-ring talent demanded. I guess that's because when it comes down to it, WWE is looking for personalities who hopefully can wrestle whereas other companies tend to look for wrestlers who hopefully show a little personality. So what happens when WWE squanders or mismanages the talent of a potentially big star? Well, as long as there's competition, distant as it may be, there's always the chance that the talent can find the right place to shine, and in this case, become the first ever female, and fifth person overall, inducted into the Impact Hall of Fame in 2016 and she continues to work for Impact as an executive and on-screen authority figure to this day. And it all started with her TNA signing on this day in 2005. This has been the Daily Wrestling News Show for September 6th, 2022. We'll see you tomorrow.